1: start your weekend off right. This is BetQLU with R.J. Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network presented by BetMGM. And just like that, we're about a third of the way through the college football season. I don't know where it has gone. I don't know where R.J. has gone either. No, I know. RJ's just <laughs> not here this weekend. He's... He's not with us this weekend, but he'll be back for, uh, for week seven of the college football season alongside Kayla Canerum. I am Chris Mack, and this is BetQLU. Every Friday night at 11 Eastern, Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern, we get you set up for the entire slate of action in the world of college football whether you be taking us with you wherever you may be in the world, on your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, whether you just are listening to us live over the air, anywhere coast to coast on the BetQL network, or you're watching us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash BetQL. We want to thank you for doing so today. And Kayla, we're just going to have to pick up the slack. More accurately, you're going to have to pick up the slack because you're better at this than <laughs> I am. And without RJ around, um, we need we need someone to... I don't know, blindly defend Tennessee, I think.
2: Oh my gosh, blindly defend them. I'm all for defending them. What is there to blindly defend?
1: I don't know. Just just act like a giant uh, orange creamsicle drenched Homer and I think you'll be able to pick up RJ Slack <laughs> just, just fine. Um, n- n- no, but um, we do have Tennessee to talk about. Obviously, one of the big games this weekend and we will go over... All three of the big ranked-on-ranked matchups that exist out there, plus a little bit of a primetime viewing guide for you in about 30 minutes or so. And, of course, all of the big numbers that exist that we use to kind of wrap up the final segment of the show. We've got big money lines. We've got big spreads. We've got big totals. And, of course, our best bets as well. But let's start by looking back on Week 5, Kayla. Uh, your biggest takeaway when you look back at Week Five before we start to dive in on Week Six.
2: Okay, well, Chris, I figure this show is going to be pretty Kansas heavy today, so
1: mm-hmm. I feel like how are you feeling now. about that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not feeling great. I'll tell you that. Uh-huh. Um, did not see this one coming. I, I think I even said the last two weeks. The last two weekends, Mizzou and KU have both been trending on Twitter, like in the top 10. Mizzou was obviously trending number one last week. Uh, Mizzou all for the wrong reasons, KU for the right ones. But I'm like, is this 2007? What is happening? Um, I just wish Mizzou was doing a little better. So to balance out the KU talk today, my biggest takeaway from last week is that Mizzou should be 4-1 and one and ranked. They blew the end of that Auburn game with a missed field goal. To send it into overtime, uh-huh. and then drop the pat, like drop the carry in the end zone, and they should have beaten number one Georgia. Not sure if you caught that one, but it was a pretty great game until it was. I heard something about it. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if we got that touchdown yeah. on that sixty-three yard run on the Georgia one dagger, and didn't get that penalty after converting on that crucial third down, that's a Mizzou win, you guys. Again, we would be four and one, and we'd be ranked after taking down the number one team in the country. Everyone at Harpo's would have gotten their free drinks for two hours. Huge miss. Uh Um, Mizzou had total control of that game, though. Not only was our defense incredible, Georgia had 481 yards to the Tigers, 294. The Bulldogs had two turnovers. Mizzou had none. Georgia had 28 first downs. Mizzou, 14. And we held the lead until the last four minutes of the game. So, not too shabby. Uh, Listen, the K-State game was a fluke, (laughs) in my opinion. It was rough. It was out of character. I don't want to talk about that one. But – do you think that Mizzou exposed Georgia, did they just have a bad night? Mizzou isn't an easy place to play by the way, and Kirby Smart even said post game right. there's no easy game in the SEC. So is Mizzou better than people think? Is Georgia worse? Which one do you think it is?
1: See, I tend to think when teams lose close games, it's because they're not as good. I don't want to burst your bubble or anybody in Missouri's <laughs> bubble, but I I think this will awaken sort of the sleeping giant. This is the wake up call that the Bulldogs needed. You know, they get bumped down a spot in the rankings. They get jumped by Bama. I do think it's a heck of a hot take. And I love it from you that Mizzou would be four and one because that would completely (laughs) change the complexion of the SEC. And I think that is something to think about when, when, when you think about the ups and downs of the SEC and how we always, it feels like we always end up arriving at the point where it's two SEC teams doing battle in the SEC championship game. And it's just a matter of which one's going to be ranked number one and which one may fall to three or four when the, when the playoffs come out, uh, the, the uh, playoff slate. It's, it's interesting to think about how that dynamic would be completely turned upside down because it would include a, a, a massive win over Georgia and, Obviously, Georgia wouldn't have just fallen to two. You, you can imagine how far they would have fallen in the rankings, and how that would have opened things up again around the SEC. And so, I, I I like the hot take that Missouri is worthy of being four and one, even if I don't necessarily agree with it. Because again, you're talking about two conference wins, and then they're sitting there atop the SEC East. I mean, they would be there at two and zero. Oh. Tennessee is one and zero. Oh. Um, and that's that's a heck of a thing to think that there's really eight points difference. Is that what it adds up to? I think between Missouri yeah, like that. and and the top of the SEC East. Maybe those it's two more, games
2: were self inflicted. So that's right. my reasoning for that.
1: No, you know what? I maybe uh, I tend to believe that Missouri's just not that good, and that's why they couldn't they couldn't close those games out. But I I think if you want to, if you're a fan of the Tigers and you want to argue that they are right there on the precipice of joining the uh, upper echelon of the SEC, you can look at those games, especially the Georgia game, and say, yeah, we're one penalty here. We're one play here or there away from maybe being atop the SEC East and knocking off the reigning national champs. It's a heck of an argument you make anyway. uh, I am going to... My biggest takeaway from this past week is, you know, we have these massive conferences and they'll probably only continue to get larger, especially the SEC and the Big Ten. But we have them staring down the idea of eliminating divisions. We're going to see that happen over the next couple of years. And the Big Ten West and the ACC Coastal Division, especially the ACC Coastal, are the poster children for eliminating these divisions. The Big Ten West, because it can never quite hold a candle, even if it's when it's got one or two teams like a Minnesota or an Iowa or a Wisconsin, depending on what year it is, uh, sort of stepping out ahead of the rest. It never quite holds a candle to the East. And Ohio State and Michigan obviously and then there's always at least Penn State and or Michigan State right there involved as well and that's what we're looking at this year three teams in the top 10 going into what is Penn State's bye week looking forward a week we'll have Penn State Michigan at the big house next Saturday maybe that'll help sort of sift things out in the Big Ten East but the ACC Coastal is just a trash heap and it's like this every single year other than really last year when Pitt kind of took a hold of things and ran away with it. You're talking about a division that in the first seven years of its existence had a different champ each and every year. Every single member of the ACC Coastal went to the ACC championship game in the first seven years of its existence because it's just that. Some people would call it parody, P-A-R-I-T-Y. It's more like parody, P-A-R-O-D-Y, in that it's a parody of – power five college football sometimes so the big 10 west and the acc coastal the poster children for eliminating divisions which both conferences will be doing in the next couple of years with that said since we're uh since i guess we're mocking people uh and i'm using the word parody (laughs) p-a-r-o-d-y instead of parody p-a-r-i-t-y uh we like to wag our fingers and cast shame and doubt uh on some teams every single week. Mine this week is on Wisconsin. Like uh, Paul Christ is not an electric personality. I mean, we know that, Um, but at the very least he was churning out winning seasons and competitive seasons atop that menagerie that is the big 10 West. And more often than not, they had reasons to be fired up every fall going into Madison and, A bad start this year. I understand the last three years have paled in comparison to his first couple years on the job up there. But to me, I I think they're bailing too quickly on Paul Christ. I think they're paying way too much to do so. Um, I think they should have sucked it up and allowed themselves for another year of perhaps rebuilding or finding their footing. And so I think they bailed a little too early. So I'm going to say shame on Wisconsin for... Uh, letting go of Paul Chris this past week
2: well my shame on you aside from Mizzou fans thinking we were going to beat the number one team in the country and for anyone who thought Georgia was going to cover 28 and a half rude don't sleep on Mizzou, y'all <laughs> Chris I gotta fit the tiger talk in when I can um
1: when you can't also, Kayla, that's just... all we've talked about in the first 10 minutes
2: <laughs> by the way producer producer Zach brought up a good point I don't know I referenced uh, Chase Daniel's tweet about how he said he was going to buy yeah. drinks for two hours for everyone at Harpo's <laughs> if Mizzou won. Big Cat got in on it. Big Cat ended up I saw that. actually giving a $2,000 bar tab to Harpo's, so that was cool. But anyway, in all seriousness, my shame on you. I think we both have thoughts about OU. I don't know what's going on with them, but also a What's up with the Aggies? They took the L, forty-two twenty-four to Mississippi State. Um, A big part of that was due to the Bulldogs' four first turnovers, three of which took place in the red zone, including a block kick. Not great. It was a rough day for the Aggies, who now sit at 3-2 and and are not at all the team I thought they were going to be going into the season. Um, Do we think Nick Saban's a little relieved uh, going into this weekend? I know that's going to be a big clash we're going to get to, but um, for all the smack talk that happened preseason – He's got to feel a little relieved to see the Aggies not doing as hot as we thought they would.
1: I think he's excited. I think Nick Saban is drooling, waiting for Jimbo and the Aggies to walk into Tuscaloosa. We'll touch on that game just a little bit, a little bit later when we go over the primetime viewing slate for Saturday night. But yeah, I think, I think Nick Saban looks at that, what is it, 24-and-a-half-point spread and thinks about how Mm -hmm. he can double down on it and beat Jimbo by seven touchdowns. This is now an old personal rivalry that goes back to the hills of West by God Virginia where they both grew up about (laughs) 20 minutes from each other, and it's going to get worked out on national TV on a Saturday night for everybody to see um again we'll touch on that game in just a little bit but we talked about so, sort of the idea of the acc coastal and the big 10 west and we've talked a lot about you know is the can the big 12 or the pac-12 land a legitimate title contender this year at least land someone on the fringe of the playoff conversation and we're now just uh, three weeks away from the first college football playoff rankings being released a little more than three weeks How about this? Of the eight years of the CFP, the team ranked number one upon the first release stayed in that spot four times. And I mean stayed in that spot all the way through the entire ranking cycle, all five to six weeks of the rankings being released, bowl season, and the playoffs. So if our question is, who's going to be number one in three weeks, we may also be asking the question, who's going to be number one in the end? And what do we expect the construction of this final four is going to be? We started the year talking about that, Kayla, about who is it aside mm-hmm. from Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, maybe Clemson that can join those teams or sort of break the ceiling, glass ceiling, so to speak, for lack of a better way to put it, to join those teams in the playoff. And do we see another SEC team? Do we see another Big Ten team uh, aside from Ohio State or Michigan? Pac-12, Big 12, or it, it's all up in the air, but... And we're just a few weeks away now with Georgia sliding a spot because of that near loss to your Missouri Tigers. Alabama jumping back into the one spot. Ohio State winning emphatically every single week, it feels like. it's We're starting to kind of flesh out what these top four might look like.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to pick against Bama at this point based on what we've seen so far this season and what we've seen so far in the last however many years. So I'm going to keep Bama at the top. Um, Georgia along with them Ohio State I think those are always just going to be a three lock until something catastrophic happens Um, but I as far as that four spot I think I'd love to see Clemson get in there Um, I'm a big Dabo fan love love the Clemson Tigers um, but Michigan's also had a heck of a season so far so I think that four spot's going to be a battle between Michigan and Clemson right up until this point.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. uh, I think it it, it really depends, in my opinion anyway, on how Michigan and Ohio State arrive at their game uh, in the regular season finale. If they both arrive at that game undefeated, which is a possibility if Michigan can get past Penn State, um, then I I think there's a good question about possibly two Big Ten teams this year, especially if – uh, Georgia is not what we think they are. If Missouri really did expose them, like you said at the top of the show, then there's a chance we we only get the SEC champ, and we're not talking about another uh, two team appearance for the SEC in the playoff. And we haven't even addressed what might happen. What might happen if Oklahoma State continues to roll in the Big Twelve yeah. and USC continues to roll in the Pac-12 as well? Certainly, something we'll keep an eye on as things progress beyond week six and into next week week seven coming up next a little bit of a saturday night primetime viewing guide because there's plenty of games worth watching in that evening spot plus week six's biggest games and our angles on them rj choppy out this week alongside kayla i'm chris mack you are listening to betqlu on the betql network
0: This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla here on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM.
1: Back to BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by Bet BetMGM. <laughs> RJ's out this weekend. I'm Chris Mack alongside Kayla Kinarem, and this is BetQLU. Join us every Friday night and Saturday morning to get you ready. Look back on last week's games and ahead to this week's action across the college football landscape and across the country on the BetQL Network live coast to coast. Also inside your Odyssey app as well. You can get us in there both live and download uh, the podcasted segments as well, A-U-D-A-C-Y, and, of course, on Twitch, twitch. twitch.com. twitch.com slash betql twitch.tv slash betql pardon me go there you can watch the show as well because there's all that wonderful information both across the bottom of the screen and over there on that side of the screen next to kayla see look you got all the spreads did Colorado i do it right this time i think you did yeah you well you didn't knock over the mic so that's a step in the right direction <laughs> uh, but no seriously uh everything you absolutely need betql go there all your five star bets Uh, all the numbers, all the action you need to break down your bets before you get going each and every weekend, Uh, all the action. And we're limited in ranked-on-ranked matchups. So after we go through the three of those, I also want to give people a little bit of a primetime viewing guide and kind of handicap a handful of games that will be played in the primetime window on Saturday night. We still got to get you our best bets before we wrap up. And uh, the big numbers as well, the big totals, the big spreads, the big money line numbers, those all coming up before we wrap things up here on BetQLU as well. But let's start with what is probably the biggest game in the country. Yeah, no, I'm just going to say, I'm not going to qualify it. It's the biggest game in the country this week. It is number eight, Tennessee at number 25, LSU, noon Eastern Saturday on ESPN. Tennessee favored by three, the total sitting at about 65 at BetMGM. And Tennessee 6-1 straight up in their last eight games. 0-5 their last five versus LSU, though. Total has gone over in nine of Tennessee's last ten games as well. Under, on the other hand, in four of LSU's last five games. I had lots of big questions coming into this season, Kayla, about Brian Kelly and his fit at LSU, his fit in Baton Rouge. I have family that are pretty well intertwined with the program there that live in Baton Rouge, that coach in Baton Rouge. And they've been very diplomatic about it with me, but I can't get away from Brian Kelly standing at center court saying family and putting on the (laughs) fake Southern drawl and trying to fit into Baton Rouge in the SEC. Uh, At the same time, I can't get away from the fact that through the first 5 weeks, they've only got a single loss and they've got a chance to really put a stamp on the season here, the first major stamp on their season if they could take care of Tennessee at home. I don't know how you read this. Uh, Hendon Hooker really impresses me, but it'll impress me even more if the Vols can go into Death Valley and come out with a win.
2: Yeah, by the way, I love a good fake accent. Um that should not go <laughs> unsaid.
1: Unnoticed, uh, okay.
2: Yes, <laughs> unnoticed, unsaid. Yes. Um, yes, and also, Chris, keep in mind the Vols are coming off nearly a two-week break following that win right. over Florida, um, and since last season, they are three and zero against the spread when coming off rest. I, I mean, based on what we've seen so far, the Vols are the better team, clearly, as the rankings would suggest. They have the strength of schedule, having beaten two top twenty-five teams, while LSU's one decent opponent they played this. Season They lost to in week one with Florida State. You can maybe argue Mississippi State was a good win. Um, they've beaten Mississippi State and Auburn as far as conference games go. I also think this comes down to the quarterbacks. Jaden Daniels has yeah. been good for the Tigers, but he's no Hooker, who is a beast for the Vols. He's now thrown for nearly 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions, and he's put up another 175 rushing yards and three touchdowns all through four games. So total package there. All this to say, I'm going to ride with Tennessee at minus three. You're welcome, RJ. Um, and as for the total, the Vols are averaging averaging 48.5 per game next to the Tigers, 35.6. I'm torn on the total, to be honest. This should be a more challenging game for both teams um, based on what they've been used to so far this season. I can see it going under, but I kind of feel like I want to lean the over. What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I I think just the pace of play that the Vols play with lends itself to the over. It's why we've seen such big totals uh, for them all year. They lead the SEC, I think, in six different major offensive categories. They're number one in the nation with almost 560 total yards of offense on average. And they've scored at least 30 in seven straight games. This offense is clicking on all cylinders. I think the over is a safe bet because I think Tennessee will score I think LSU will hang with them. Um, I think if you can get three, then absolutely jump on three. And it's still available, like we said, at BetMGM. I would jump on Tennessee minus the three. Now, look, it's the SEC. Anything can happen, mm-hmm. especially with two ranked teams. It's not to say that LSU couldn't take this thing to overtime and win on a touchdown and blow the whole thing up. But. I think at the very least, I believe in Tennessee to win this by like a four to six point margin. I feel comfortable laying the three. And as you pointed out, I think the total is a pretty, even at that big a number, 65, you know, it wouldn't surprise me in the least if this thing goes, you know, 38 to 30 is not out of the realm of possibility. That sounds very realistic to me when we talk about these two offenses. Especially like I said, the pace of play for Tennessee and what Hendon Hooker is doing. And that's a cover and that's an over the total. So I think we're on board here, both playing Tennessee minus the three and over the total. But this is gonna be this is a huge one for the Vols. Like you said, coming off the Mm -hmm. bye week, their track record coming off the bye week. What it does for the SEC is I would think I I, I would just this puts the after if the The near loss to Missouri last week didn't put the scare into Georgia. Watching Tennessee continue to rip through team after team after team and maybe not win in dominant fashion. Again, almost blowing it to Florida in the end, but putting up as many points as they do. It could be irresistible force against immovable object when Tennessee and Georgia get together at some point. So um, definitely something to keep an eye on, but we both like Tennessee and the over there. Another early kick, 12 noon Eastern in the Big 12. 11 a.m. local time in Lawrence, the number 19 Jayhawks. (laughs) They got game day coming, Kayla. This is great for them. We love it, right? Sorry. Uh, Number 17, TCU Horned Frogs are coming in. And this, I'll be honest, this spread surprises me. Six and a half TCU is laying to undefeated Kansas. Total is at 69. Uh, The total has hit. Uh, over in four of TCU's last five games, we know they can score. They're also four and one against the spread in their last five games. But this is by far their stiffest test. Kansas eight no straight up in their last eight. And I'll be honest, I just I feel like a new leaf has been turned with Lance Leipold at Kansas. It feels like the Jayhawks are legit. I know that breaks your heart, but I am willing to take the six and a half because I. I I think the Jayhawks win outright, to be quite honest. I'd look at the money line on this one.
2: Whoa. Well, to no one's surprise, I think I'm going to go in a different direction. (laughs) Um, This game is already making me salty. Just the fact that game day is going to be there. I saw the pictures already setting things up. First time Kansas has ever had a game day. Good for them. Love that journey for them. Um, Do you guys remember when the University of Kansas was basically paying fans, not even fans, students to come watch Jayhawk football games? Cause I do. Uh-huh. It was just a few years ago, literally giving away free tickets. Um, Yeah. So now they've had two sellout crowds for Kansas this season for the first time since 2009. Good for them. You know what? I think the horn Frogs are going to come to town and expose those Jayhawks. I said it. That's, mm. this is probably an unpopular pick. I like TCU minus six and a half in Lawrence, and that's not biased at all. Um, Listen, no, they are 4 oh <laughs> no. 4 or The Lord Frogs are 4-0 against the spread this season. They're 2-0 against the spread when going in as the favorite of six and a half or more. And I know KU is pretty much the same, but that wouldn't support my pick now, would it? So my only concern is that TCU is going to be riding high following that Sooners beatdown, So they can't lose focus going into Lawrence. Um, I'm sure it's going to be a crazy game day atmosphere, which feels like I want to talk myself into taking... Kansas has dogs, but I can't even bring myself to do that. So I'm going to stick with hey, TCU at minus six and a
1: half. Money doesn't know rivalries, Kayla. It Money doesn't no know rivalries. And look, I, I think you make a great point about TCU maybe riding too high coming in off the win over uh, Oklahoma. I think that's a huge impact on this one. I yeah. think the atmosphere in Lawrence is going to be incredible. I think what the Jayhawks are trying to prove is incredible. Uh, it, this would be enormous for them. I would imagine they climb into the top yeah. 15 with a win. Um, I, again, I'm on Kansas. I'm not touching the total because I don't know what how this may go. I don't know if, you know, a, a couple stops early and this thing may get, uh, I don't want to say ugly. I don't think it's going to be low scoring by any means, but it, it could very easily be, you know, a 34-31 game and we're still ending up shy of the total. So I'm not touching the total, but it's six and a half. I'm on the Jayhawks getting the points. I'm sorry, I hate to do it to you, but money doesn't know rivalries. All right, one more ranked on ranked matchup. We go out west. A 3:30 Eastern, 12:30 Pacific kick between number 11 Utah on Fox at number 18 UCLA jumps into the rankings all of a sudden. They're getting four and a half as home dogs with the Utes visiting. Totals at 64 and a half. UCLA, 8-0 straight up in their last eight games. Utah, though, 5-0 both straight up and against the spread in their last five against the Bruins. I'll be honest, the Bruins have come out of nowhere for me. I did not expect this. Mm -hmm. I don't know how long it can last. I'm tempted. Four and a half for a home dog in a conference game is very tempting. I'll be honest, I don't know which way I'm going on this. I was a huge believer in Utah to start the season, but they've really... They've ended up disappointing me just in the lack of impact, in the lack of, well, that opening loss was huge for them against Florida. I don't know which way to go on this one, Kayla.
2: You took the words right out of my mouth. I think out of the three that we're touching on, this is the toughest one when it comes to betting, and by all accounts, it should be a close, hard-fought game. Um, UCLA obviously coming off that big win over ranked Washington last weekend while Utah had, again, as you said, that one slip up to Florida in week one. Even though Utah is five and zero straight up and against the spread in their last five with the Bruins, I don't love this, but I think I'm going to go UCLA plus four and a half. Um, wow. I think the Utes come out on top, but I do think the Bruins will keep it close. And I'm kind of on the over train this week, looking at that total of 64 and a half. Um, both teams are putting up an average of over 40 a game. Both teams have hot offenses that those defenses could have a tough time containing. So I kind of like the over of yeah. 64 and a half and the Bruins plus four and a half. I'm getting wild today.
1: <laughs> Chip Kelly 7-0 off two or more consecutive overs. So there you go. If you're looking at that ah. while coaching UCLA. Um one of the things I like about BetQL, and this is not just the shameless plug, but when I have a game like this that I'm having a tough time getting a read on, if you subscribe to BetQL, you can get what's called the Sharp Money Report, the Sharp Better Report, and it'll tell you where the bulk of the money is going. So for example, right now on this game, 60% of the tickets are going to Utah. Uh, on the spread but 73 percent of the money which tells you that some of the bigger bets from some of the sharps are coming in on the utes over ucla if you like to tail those kind of bettors then by all means you might want to lean on utah if you like to be a contrarian player then you go in on ucla just another tool you can use inside that betql app if you download it today so that being said without a lot of ranked on ranked matchups there are a handful of really interesting primetime games. And if you're looking to lock in on one, I'm going I'm to present you with four of these now. You tell me which one of these games, Kayla, you like the most. We've got number 20, Kansas State, visiting Iowa State. We've got Florida State, now unranked Florida State, uh, back out mm-hmm. of the top 25 at number 14, NC State. Texas A&M visits, as we mentioned before, number one, Alabama. And number 16, BYU against Notre Dame out in Vegas. All of these kick at either 7.30 or 8 o'clock Eastern, four thirty five 5 o'clock Pacific. Which one of these jumps out to you is probably the most compelling watch?
2: I mean, I'm going to let my SEC bias show here. And I got to go Texas A&M Bama just because of everything we saw, um, you know, ahead of the season the coach showdown. I mean, I I wanted that to right. be. I was like, wow, this could be a new Real Housewives series. Why aren't we covering college coaches <laughs> in the SEC on Bravo? I'd watch that. Um, you know, you've got your Bama 84 5 4 3 star players next to your A&M 5 4 3 star players at 81. So, I am excited to see this battle go down.
1: The real head coaches of the SEC. We could get memes out of that like, for days. Tweeted
2: that. <laughs> Chris, that was literally my tweet. I go, I, I even tagged at Andy. Can we get a Real House, a Real Coaches of the SEC on Bravo?
1: How great would that be? I, look, I don't even watch Real Housewives. I'd be all in on that. Totally in on that. I, I yeah, I'll Damn. be honest. Um, I, I can't wait to watch that one, but just for sake of uniqueness, I'm also really <laughs> interested in the BYU-Notre Dame game because I was such a yeah. fan early on this year of BYU They got tripped up a bit early. I think injuries had a lot to do with it. I think uh, their offensive line should have been enough to buoy them as they were dealing with those injuries, but it wasn't. I'm real curious to see what the atmosphere is like in Vegas, too. I'm sure a ton of Irish fans. But um, BYU-Notre Dame should be an interesting one as well. That one on NBC and Peacock on Saturday night. So coming up next, some big numbers out there this weekend. We'll go over the biggest spreads the biggest totals, the biggest money lines out there. Plus, we each get you our best bet for week six. RJ Choppy out alongside Kayla Canarum. I'm Chris Mack. You're listening to BetQLU all across the country on the BetQL Network.
2: This is BetQLU
0: with RJ, Chris, and Kayla here on the BetQL Network presented by BetMGM. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris,
1: and Kayla, here on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. It is, it's BetQLU every weekend for you, Friday nights at 11 Eastern, 8 Pacific, and then again, Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific. We get you ready for the entire slate of college football action as we we're just about a third of the way through the season already. I can't believe it. RJ Choppy is out this weekend. I'm Chris Mack, alongside Kayla Canerum. A reminder, you can listen to us wherever you may be. You could be at the top of a mountain. You could be in the middle of a desert. As long as there's some kind of data service, you've got your Odyssey app downloaded, you can listen to us. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Take the BetQL network with you wherever you go. Or just listen live on our BetQL network of affiliates, live coast to coast. Or watch us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash betql we got to get you our best bets before we get out of here in just a couple of minutes but we like to focus on some of the bigger wilder numbers because college football always good for some wild numbers even once you get into conference season to be honest and we've got some big ones as usual both on the spread on the total some i threw in some money lines this week as well Kayla. we'll get to those in just a minute but let's start with the big spreads last week your missouri tigers almost pull off the upset against the Georgia Bulldogs. And more importantly, they covered the 28 and a half. So there's a small victory for you. Yeah.
2: Cover. Almost like, yeah. Blew out the number one, not blow up. Barely, barely got by them. Almost. I'll never get over it, Chris.
1: No, you won't, but that's okay. You you covered. (laughs) If, If nothing else, take, take that cover, tuck it in your back pocket, along with the few bucks you may have made on it and move forward and believe in your Tigers uh, Rutgers covered <laughs> 39 and a half against Ohio State by just a smidge just a half point uh, Greg Schiano and Ryan Day going at it at one point because there was a fake punt called late in the game when Ohio State had things sewn up apparently it was an automatic read as I do air quotes with my fingers by the punter based on what he saw from uh, the punt uh, return team but I don't know. you got to call off the dogs in that instance, I think. Uh, Northwestern covered a big number at Penn State, 25 points. If you're one of those people wondering about Penn State and how they fit in the Big Ten East, even though they're now ranked in the top ten, I will say this as a Penn State alum and someone who has watched and or listened to all of their games to this point, there's good reason to be worried. You put the ball on the ground five times, even in that kind of cold and rain as they had last week against Northwestern, it's Northwestern. You only beat them by by ten. Come on, guys. Uh, so be concerned about Penn State, especially when you when you you know when you lap that on top of the turnover issues they had against Central Michigan a few weeks before that. So something to keep an eye on as they get ready to go to Ann Arbor and face the Wolverines next weekend. Uh, Arizona State covered twenty four and a half at USC as well. I'm increasingly getting the feeling that the Pac-12 is a whole lot tighter than maybe we originally thought it was. Biggest spreads of the day this weekend, Georgia laying 29 and a half against Auburn, Ohio State 27 at Michigan State, Alabama 24 against a and We talked about that one. Michigan laying 22 at Indiana. I, I don't know if any of these are attractive enough for me to take a dive in on Kayla. I don't... I can't be convinced, though, that Michigan State is as bad as they've looked. I I really thought they might be able to make some noise in the Big Ten East this year, and they just, they've been a disaster. Mel Tucker not living up to the terms of that deal, at least in the first full season of it.
2: Yeah, I actually don't feel comfortable taking that one. I'm a little surprised. Georgia is once again has an almost 30 point spread yeah. based on what we saw last week. And I mean, again, Mizzou almost beat Auburn. I know they're not what they've been in the past. Um, I'm also surprised about this Bama spread, like going into a and I mean, that's still a SEC conference game. And again, going back to the, the spat these coaches had before the season started, I just think there's going to be a little extra oomph in both of these teams. So the one I, I, if any would take is Michigan minus 22 at Indiana. They've outscored their opponents 227 to 58. So far this season, Indiana has not, um, they're also coming off two <laughs> losses to Cincinnati and Nebraska. So that's never a good sign.
1: I think there's a really good question though, about who Michigan has played so far this year though. I mean, they've had they played yeah. three, three, uh, JV squads, if you want to call them that. And mm-hmm. they're, Maryland gave him a scare, a serious scare, and it's a better Maryland team than it has been. Mike Loxley has done a really nice job rebuilding the program in Maryland um but then they didn't exactly put Iowa away until late in that one as well. So I think there's a question of how many points Michigan can put up on the board with that said let's a lot of these games also fit into what we call money line magic where if you've got to sprinkle just a few bucks on any of these, do you like these? Auburn, we mentioned Auburn in Georgia. You make a really good point. Was that the scare that Georgia needed to wake them up or is Georgia just really not that good? Um, and Auburn is plus 2,000. So 20 to one at Georgia, uh, Michigan State who we just talked about, 18 to 1, plus 1800 at home against Ohio State. So big home dogs and south florida plus 1800 at number 24 cincinnati south florida has been really bad i don't think i'd even sprinkle anything on that one but again i mentioned michigan state i have a hard time believing they're as bad as they are at home against ohio state i don't think they pull off the upset auburn at georgia at 20 to 1 really intrigues me i mean to just oh. sprinkle a cu- just a couple bucks on just to say you did it and then keep an eye on it, and if it's close, late, you get those alert. I don't know if you get those alerts on your phone. Upset alert, bang, it pops up. You tap on it. All of a sudden, I don't care where I am. I'm at my daughter's softball game. I'm sitting on a, a roller coaster at an amusement park with my son. I don't care. I could be in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden, I'm watching to see if somehow the big upset gets pulled off. Auburn 20-1 to 1, at number two, Georgia. I'm at the very least intrigued to sprinkle a, a, a couple bucks on.
2: Even on the road. Yeah, it's the SEC. Anything can happen. As we saw last week, that is true. Yes, I am hesitant to do anything with these money lines, to be honest. Um, I think you're brave for sprinkling on Auburn at Georgia. <laughs> I think I'm going to stay away from all of these, if I'm being honest.
1: That's fair. I mean, it's the numbers are ridiculous and that's the only thing that I think catches, catches your eye. Sometimes it's a bright, shiny object for a kitten. As you you said, a
2: small amount would be okay. Yes. It's just just a sprinkle, just a a little tiny (laughs) bit,
1: a a salt Bay type sprinkle. Um, All right. Biggest, (laughs) biggest totals and smallest totals of the week. Last week we had Oklahoma and TCU at 69, the overhit. This week, another total at 69 involving TCU. This has been almost rhythmic with them every single week. They've got the biggest total of the week because they can put up points. They're on the road Mm -hmm. at Kansas though. I mentioned it earlier, Kayla. I don't know if, if I trust both offenses enough to get to 69, it's entirely possible. This could be a 48, 42 kind of game. And you know, good on you. If you believe that that's guaranteed to happen and you want to go in on that, I think there's a chance if there's just one or two stops early in this thing, that it keeps it from getting to that
2: number. I I think I said it earlier in the show. I'm all about the overs this weekend. I'm just going to go for it. TCU is averaging 48 and a half through four games while KU is averaging 38. Um, It's no secret. I love a good big 12 shootout. So I say, let's have some fun. And I kind of like the over of this game of 69.
1: I, mean, I think just with I like, that,
2: especially that game day atmosphere, adrenaline's going to be high. That's a good point. Um, again, that can also backfire, and then you can have a low-scoring game. You never know how these things are going to go, so I'm just going to go for it and take the over.
1: I always love rooting for points, so at the very least. Um, if you believe, like you said, that the adrenaline and the energy in that building may have something to do with the way that game plays out, then I think you make a really good point about that thing leading to the over. All right, smallest total. Last week, it was Navy and Air Force, the service academies, 38. And I'll be honest, I led people astray. I thought Air Force would score a little bit more than they did. Navy Air Force under 38 hits, unbelievable. I know AV Navy doesn't doesn't score at all, but that that did surprise me just a little bit this week. Iowa back on it. They're at Illinois. The total 36. And you know what? If you're asking me to take one total that's on the board all weekend, I'm on it. I'm on Iowa at Illinois under 36.
2: Wow. Okay, and to be honest, I think I'm right there with you. I definitely took the over for Navy Air Force. I thought we were going to get a little bit of a higher scoring game, so I'm a little cautious this week in going over. So I'll I'll go with the under with you of 36.
1: All right. Uh, let's get you our best bets now before we wrap things up here on BetQLU. Uh, I'm going to go first here, Kayla, because. I think there's a team primed for a huge bounce back. Uh, Pitt hosted Georgia Tech at Heinz Field last Saturday in a little bit of a cold, drizzly fall night game that was uninspiring on both sides, except that the Yellow Jackets end up pulling off a huge, huge upset. Spread was as big as 24 and a half at one point, and they came in there without a head coach. Uh, Jeff Collins had been fired last week and they come in with an interim coach and Pitt looked uninspired. Uh, I didn't, I wasn't actually at the game, but I talked to people who were, who said there was zero energy on the sidelines for Pitt, which is a bad sign, a really bad sign that they were overlooking Georgia tech. And I think that's what happened. Virginia tech coming in, arguably the worst offense. Okay. Maybe Georgia tech's the worst offense. One of the worst offenses in the ACC coming into Heinz field. I think, you know, we talk about, when we talked about Georgia-Missouri, did Georgia get, uh, did that wake them up, the scare from the Tigers? Or did it prove that they're not that good? I think it woke Georgia up. This is at a different level, Pitt, but I think Pitt is awakened by that loss to Georgia Tech at home last week. 14.5 is the number. Pat Narduzzi, his teams at Pitt averaged 34 points a game coming off an upset loss. They are going to score a ton, even, in, even if Frank Signetti Jr., their offensive coordinator, keeps it a little more conservative. I still think they put up 30. Virginia Tech can't touch that with their abysmal offense. So I have Pitt laying 14.5 against the Hokies as my best bet. What do you got?
2: So I actually have two. Um, by the way, I think I've still been perfect in my best bet so far thanks to the Mizzou-Georgia game hitting the under. Yes.
1: And as Good I call. warned
2: everyone, I was – I was going to be a little Mizzou heavy today. It's probably the only time I'll be able to do this all season. So I'm going back to the SEC as my Tigers visit the swamp, looking to pick up their first conference win. As a reminder, it should be their third. Is that old yet? I don't know. Um, first of all, the spread of 10.5 is super insulting, and I would absolutely pick Mizzou to cover. But In, I am insulting. once again, insulting. Did you all see what we did last week? Uh, <laughs> wow. I'm going to go Back, though, to the under of this total of 53 and a half because the under is 4-0 in Mizzou's last four games um, overall. They're 4-0 in their last four conference games with the under, and they're 5-0 in the under in their last five road games. Not to mention, hello, the Tigers' defense. Um, plus, neither team here is averaging crazy numbers offensively. Um, and I'm going to do one more because I need to show the Big 12 some love. Um <laughs> And not the Red River rivalry showdown. Thank God they changed that because I could never say it. Um, but a game that uh, could also be a shootout, and that is Texas Tech at Oklahoma State. Contrary to Mizzou at Florida, I'm going with the over of this one of 68.5. Okay. We know OSU throws up an average of 47.8 points a game. By the way, the last time these two teams faced each other in Stillwater, they racked up a total, Chris, of 94 points. <laughs> Uh, Yes, the Red Raiders are working with a backup quarterback last year's starter, Donovan Smith, but he's still putting up big numbers through the air and on the ground while the Cowboys are sitting pretty comfortable in that offense with fourth-year starter, Spencer Sanders. And by the way, Tech games have averaged a total of over 60 points while OSU games are averaging 71. So I like the over there of 68.5 in Stillwater this weekend.
1: Some good old-fashioned Big 12 football basketball scores i love it so kayla's got texas tech and uh the pokes over 68 and a half mizzou florida under 53 and a half i got Pitt 14 and a half at home to virginia tech next week we look back on all of it that happens in week six and ahead to week seven we'll have our friend rj back in the fold as well and yes there are some huge games on tap in week seven as well we mentioned penn state michigan There will be perhaps an undefeated Kansas team going to Norman to face Oklahoma, Alabama, Tennessee, Oklahoma State, TCU, perhaps an undefeated Syracuse hosting NC State, and so much more. We'll dig into all of it live coast-to-coast on the BetQL Network again next weekend alongside Kayla Canarum. I'm Chris Mack. This is BetQLU.
0: This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla, here on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.